Hi, this is Gemma. Before you start listening, please be advised that this episode covers sensitive subjects. Poverty, child loss, murder, blood, death, including the death of children, animal abuse, suicide and mental health will all be covered. Thank you. Welcome to If It Ain't Baroque podcast, your friendly history special. Welcome to one of our Halloween specials. Today we are joined by Chris Wood to talk all about his first book, Famous Last Words. Mentioned throughout is his second book, Death in the Theatre, and his current theatre tours. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, you two. Hello. I'm here. I haven't yes. heard my final words yet. <laughs> That's good. We're still going. That's, yeah. That's good. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I've got a weird sort of hair or rabbit. On the back of his nose. You have some rabbits kissing. Yeah, that's nice. Rabbits are kissing, yeah. yeah. So welcome back. Thank you. Yes, lovely to be back. Thanks for, for having us again. It's uh I wasn't sure if you <laughs> you'd want us back after the first one, but thank you. No, of oh, course we do. It's much fun. Yeah, we? yeah. We, we, we were just saying we can't wait to for the trilo- for the end of the trilogy. It goes like Star Wars saga, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Jedi. Is there any word on book three? No, not not really, Gemma. No, there's no there's no word on that yet. Mainly because I've just been so busy with these sort of events that I've set up with different theatres and different venues and things about death in the theatre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been focusing everything on that, to be honest. And that's probably going to be the way for certainly the next few months anyway, because there's different venues popping up all the time that are asking us to go. So I'm just kind of gearing up and setting things up for that research and doing all the relevant stuff that I need to do for those to make those appearances really because I'm going to be like on the theatre stage for some of them which is going to be a bit terrifying and well out my comfort zone but that's part of the reason I'm doing it I think just to you've got to haven't you you've got to go out and do these things and put yourself out there and as much as I I dread the idea of some of the, some of the things that I'll be doing. But well, I've got a few ideas in mind about the book. I've done nothing about any of it yet um, because, as I say, I'm just focusing everything into that really at the minute. But there will be another book, you know, and it won't be about sport or football. Yay! <laughs> it will be a similar thing, I'm sure, yeah. It'll be about death, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Yeah. That's a lot of be. death. Yes, it has yeah. to be, yeah. It has to be. When is it you're going to be up in Scotland? Because... I am dying to go on one of these. Oh, brilliant. Well, hopefully we're going to be at Dumfries, um, but I haven't got that confirmed yet because the, there's one of the cases, one of the cases in the book, as you know, yeah. from the Dumfries Theatre Royal. So hoping to get something set up up there, but at this point there's nothing I don't think off the top of my head up in Scotland yet. So sorry, Jim, we'll need to get that sorted though. Uh, I you definitely need to come to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just need to come to London. Exactly, I'll just need to come to London. <laughs> Yeah, yes, we could do that as well. I was where was I last week? Birmingham last weekend. We did a one down there. Um, Still too far north. It needs to be. Yeah, it's quite far north for you, actually. That isn't Natalie. Yeah, that's true. So we all need to go to London, really, don't we? Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. Do that sometime. (laughs) Okay, we'll get into your book, famous last words. We we were actually discussing when was that book out? Blimey, it seems like a lifetime ago now, but it was May twenty twenty one. Ah, uh, we thought that. Doing a bit years ago, yeah. 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 And it's funny because, like you did before, like a lot of people ask us about which book's coming next and what, what it's going to be about and things. But what you what you ideally want is, as I had done with the first two books, as you're coming to the end of the first one, 
you've kind of got another one already sort of mm. coming. Do you know what I mean? So at least yeah. you're going to be, you know, take a while for it to be edited and and then and subsequently published. And so you've got it, you know, one comes out and then hopefully you've got another one kind of ready to yeah. go not too long after. But obviously with this, the death in the theatre, I haven't got another one in the background yet. So I'm going to have to really get my finger out after all of these, uh, these theatre event things going on. Because, yeah, you, it takes a long time for everything to happen, you know, in a, in a kind of a in the process that the publishers have. And then, uh, as I say, ideally, you want to kind of have one coming along fairly rapidly after the other one to keep momentum and everything. So, yeah, I'll have to really pull my finger out after Christmas, I think, and, uh, and get, get cracking. <laughs> but I have a question. Would it be another one, kind of multi-chapter one, or would it be just kind of many chapters about the same sort of person or the same event? I think it would probably be similar to these two multi-chapter because a lot of people have said one thing that they've specifically liked is the fact that you can just go in and out of it and it doesn't really matter which order you read them in um and in some ways i quite like writing like that as well because it's a it's more interesting for certainly it is for me because it's not one thing the whole time you know what i mean it's a different chapter uh so it's equal in a different story every time and i've enjoyed doing it that way and i think doing it uh, another way, likes of, I don't know, like some of the books behind you, I guess, Natalie, you know, where if it's just a book about one thing, it's fine, of course. But if, uh, do you know what I mean? If it's just yeah. sort of, as you know, with, with these two books, that each chapter is very different. And uh, although they, they amount to the same thing, I guess, death, <laughs> but the, the story in the background behind each chapter is totally different. And uh, yeah. So I'll probably hope to do it like that again, I think, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I like the books, especially, as you say, you can pick it up, you can put it down, not with your books, but some books you can skip a chapter if this doesn't interest you, that kind of thing. Yeah, Or if one, like, with your books, to be fair, if one's maybe a little bit triggering for some people, like baby deaths and things like that, you can just completely skip that chapter and go on to the next one. Yeah, I think a lot of people have, have mentioned that that they've just been able to go in and out, and you know, a couple of pages here, a couple of pages there, and you've, you've you're through a few chapters, aren't you? So yeah, and it's funny because some of the longer ones, like in Famous Last Words, I think cases like Mary Blandy and Burke and Hare, I think those ones, they're quite long. Mm-hmm. They're probably two of the cases which I enjoyed writing the least. If you like, I love the really? hair thing, but just the fact that it, it went on for quite a long time, I probably, yeah, I probably didn't enjoy writing those ones so much just because they went on for a little bit. Shows Probably shows my attention span, <laughs> not be very big, really. <laughs> did you um, did you know about Barking Hair before you wrote the book? Yeah. I did, yeah, but not not masses, but probably knew what most people sort of know about it. And it's a, well, it's a hell of a thing, isn't it? I mean, it's an incredible story. And I, I think in the last podcast we did, um, I mentioned a chap, and I, well, I didn't, I forgot his name ridiculously, and I was really embarrassed about that. It's a guy called Owen Dudley Edwards. He's like the oracle on Burke and Hare. I spoke to him because he's written loads and loads of books about them. And I, when I spoke to him and told him what I was doing, he was he was pleased I was doing it, but he, he said, but be careful, Chris, because these guys can really get into your head. And I think I mentioned in the last one, he yep. used to have dreams and he used to wake up in the night and one of them, Burke or Hare, would be coming for him. And he used to he used to see it like so vividly and so he used to be really, really frightened of it. And they used to have these regularly because he was writing about them so much. Did so, you have any dreams about any of them? 
<laughs> no, I didn't. To be honest, I'm quite good at being able to just just kind of detach and and yeah. not forget about it, but just put it park it to one side, really. But those ones, like the uh, Burton Hare, really, there's a lot of history still, isn't there? You know, I think there's some mm-hmm. of the um, some of the graveyards up in Edinburgh where they've still got those. I forget what they're called, but you know, the big protective sort of cages on the. On, on some of the graves, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, to, to sort of keep grave robbers out. And there's little, and I think one of the... Uh, Crypts, right? Yeah, yeah. Crypt, yeah. And and one of the skeletons is still, is it in... One yeah, he's in the yeah. medical... Museum. Yeah. yeah, he's in the medical museum. You can see him, I think you can see him once a year, I think, they open that to the public That's to see right. him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't quote yeah. me on that one, but it is limited like, um, viewing. It's a surgeon's yeah. hall, right? That yeah. One. Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of gruesome reminder still of that, isn't there? And I, yeah. I just yeah. all feeds into the narrative, doesn't it? And it's sort of just an interesting case and uh, a horrible one, obviously, but one that I think people, it's quite enduring, isn't it? I think everybody kind yeah. of knows about it and, and likes it. Do you know the weirdest thing about working here is I can't take them seriously anymore because I was in Edinburgh one time and I, like, I've always loved history and I knew who working here was and I was with friends. And I seen this, what I thought was maybe like a museum, because it was called Birkin here. And I was like, oh, we should go in that. They're like, I know who they are. And my friends burst out laughing. And I was like, why are you laughing? Yeah, it was a strip club. Is <laughs> is that on the triangle? Yeah, it is. Uh. Oh, it's Natalie Bean as well. I didn't know. No. Wow. <laughs> and Natalie that, knows. No, because when you go on to- walking tours in Edinburgh, right, okay. they point those out and because it's a sort of intersection of three streets or something so uh it's called the pubic triangle because it's all um <laughs> wasn't expecting this to go this way tonight huh? <laughs> <laughs> how weird is that, that she took it there to so me <laughs> i'm sorry i just thought it was i just think it's so funny every time i think about them i always think of that but it's just so bizarre that you would think Let's name the strip club after serial <laughs> killers. Yes, it's not the most. It's, it's the weirdest. Does it yeah. look like yeah. a strip club? Like it does not look like it from outside. It looks like maybe like an old pub. You know how quite a lot of old pubs have historical names or something. Yeah, yeah I've learned yeah. something new there. So <laughs> just in case you're in Edinburgh, don't get excited. <laughs> right. I'll swerve that one then. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Brilliant. Yeah. I had this thought when I was uh, QCing the last episode and you were saying how this guy told you to kind of beware and not get too attached because he would have visions and yeah. you wanted to not to kind of get yourself involved too much emotionally and everything. And I remember that when I was doing ghost walks as a walking tour with the ghosts of London and all that seven years ago when I was prepping and kind of adapting the script to my style and researching the bits that were there already and everything. And this is the only time when I was locking my door at night, locking my bedroom door, because I was I would be getting too kind of the visions would be getting too vivid from everything I was reading. Right. Because it was like the most, um, it would be about the most haunted houses in London where unspeakable things had happened. And um, it was on the tour. It's one of the most, it's known as 50 Barclay Square, I think. Uh, it still is one of the most haunted ones, as well as the tower. And yeah, that was the time when I was really, really scared. So when on tours, people would be asking me, do you believe in ghosts? Because that's a fair question on a ghost walk. I'll be telling them exactly that story. So no, 
But when you're researching this and reading it, in order to kind of memorize it, you do start getting quite eerie and iffy, yeah, and then yeah. you start locking the door. Oh, blimey. So, oh, wow, Natalie, yeah, that is interesting. But even, so you doing those ghost walks, but you don't believe in them? Not as such. I know there's something out there, possibly, some kind of higher power, etc. Because, you know, sometimes you have bad thoughts and then you trip. And it's, I don't think it's by accident, that kind of thing. It's kind of the same question as, you know, do you believe in God? There's something definitely out there. We're not dictating things, but kind of curating things. Yeah. And I think ghosts potentially is part of that, if that's an answer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, it's intriguing, isn't it? That's a nice segue from strip clubs. Yes. <laughs> I have never done a walk tour. I've walked tour about that. Well, <laughs> that's and a new I hope idea. I never will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not even Valentine's Day, it's the Halloween, but this came out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, since it is a Halloween episode, can we discuss Henry Irving? Yes, please. Yes, of course. Henry Irving, yeah. So he did, firstly, is that a chapter you, you quite like that one, uh, Gemma? Because that one, I, I was thinking about it before, that could have been in Death in the Theatre, couldn't it? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Either book. I like that chapter. I like the fact that um, he inspired Dracula more than anything else because it's one of my favourite books. Yeah, yeah, that is. And I think that's quite a unanimous thing that I think people do sort of agree. I think that was part of where um, certainly Dracula was inspired, wasn't it? I think Irvin hired Bram Stoker as his PA or his manager or something for quite a long time. And then certainly when you look at the physicality of the two, of, of Henry Irvin and Dracula, there is a, a massive, more than a similarity, isn't there, really? Yeah. Sort of very tall, slender, sunken cheeks and really thin lips. And yeah, yeah, I, I think so. That is quite intriguing, that, isn't it? To, I remember learning about that when I was doing the, because I didn't know that beforehand when I was doing the research for the book and being quite... Shocked by that, I think. I just had no idea. I was totally oblivious to that. But it's just a nice little part of it, I think, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. And I saw, I went to the Garrett Club. It's one of the photographs, I think, in the book. So when, what is in the Garrett Club, the chair that Henry Irvin actually died on because he was sat on 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 this, just this single sort of seat, you know, it's almost, it almost looks a bit like a throne, really, when he was on the theatre stage. The chair that he was on, it's preserved in the Garrett Club in London. Apparently some forward-thinking janitor which is quite, quite horrible thought really but Irvin had collapsed and whatever and, and he obviously died um and this guy had, had seen what happened so he thought that he would get the chair and keep it keep a hold of it so that it could be preserved so he was quite uh forward thinking I think in that not particularly caring about the man who just died clearly but so it was it was good to see that actually it's quite a strange sort of thing it was a little bit eerie yeah. You know, yeah. I always feel a bit like that with artifacts that are right there physically. You know, you can touch it, and that's where that person died. It, it's quite a, a strange, very unique thing, I think, isn't it? Mm, yeah, that was kind of like a, an underlying theme in the book: is the objects left behind, not just the words. Was it? I can't remember actually. The guy who left his skin behind that made into a book. Oh, blimey! Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Jimmy. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Charles Smith. That was horrible. He was hung on the town moor in Newcastle for a, a crime that they're not even sure he committed. To be fair, it was a, a robbery, I think, burglary in like an old pottery. Yeah, so he was he was hung on the town moor, and then as they did. Then they, um, they had him left hanging there for a, a period of time, and then they took him down in the uh, the surgeon's hall. Yeah, they like for anatomy and anatomized his body. Somebody 
again, someone rather forward thinking. He, he got a bit of the guy's skin, bit of Charles Smith's skin. Yeah, he kept it and tanned it. And it's in this book in Newcastle. It's in the city library still now in Newcastle. So what it is, it's a book which is known commonly around here as the skin book. But it, it's inside. Um, it's just got loads of paraphernalia and stuff about the day that this guy was hung. And then right in the center of it, it's a great thing to see. Uh, very interesting. And in the middle of it is this really thick sort of it's like leather basically which is has been kept in its skin uh, by all accounts so that's in the middle of the book there yeah and again when you touch it it's like it's an awful thought but it's did awful. you touch it yeah absolutely yeah i was i did a, a thing a talk about it last year at newcastle um book festival Tainside book festival and we, we actually were allowed to have the book with us as an artifact for people to come and have a look at and come and have a feel and yeah you can you can oh. get it quite readily the access it at the city library it's it's it is a really intriguing thing to see and the to touch, yeah. So it's not a vegan book. <laughs> no. Yes, that's an no. Alien, exactly, yeah. Yeah, tremendous. Well, if you think about it, they used to make uh, kind of books out of parchment and mm. parchment was animal skin, i.e. Right. leather. So this is just another species, our species. Sure. Yeah, but it's it's just another species skin to make books. As horrible as all of that sounds, but yeah, and it's, you're, you're not, right, not, not a vegan option, no. But I, but I think uh, going back to Burke and Hare, I'm pretty sure I read very recently that William Burke. I think I'm sure his is he be, is a bit of his skin being made. Yeah, yes, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, On the it, book, in so he's the book. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's in the, the book, book. He's everywhere. He made the yeah. book. I think they got a face mask of him as well, didn't they? Like a death mask. Something like that. Yeah. When he yeah. was in the one of the museums, I think. But yeah, sorry, Gemma, going back to your original point. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, some of the it's not just the words that are left behind. And and of course it's everything else that comes with a death, isn't it? It's the that you know, the pain and the tragedy um which is left behind for people as well. So yeah, it's a good point that I hadn't really thought about that with the objects side of things, yeah. There is like a niche, I guess, for um death objects, like you said about the chair, you know, uh, when you're reading about execution back yeah. in the day and the people would take like handkerchiefs to dip in their blood and stuff uh, that's right yeah and I guess as well to a point it's some of the collectibles collectibles, <laughs> collectibles yeah something um, for Etsy yeah when I, th- <laughs> I think of some of the um, the cases in the book which are covering suicide and of course the the, the items which will be left well and that's what I always think of Fred Fleet the uh, the Titanic case in the book mm-hmm. that that note which I tried to get a hold of, actually. To, I was able to, to find out what the words were on the, um, but the archives wouldn't let us actually get a hold of it and, and actually see the thing. But these things, they're all left, you know, they are a lot of the time they're left behind. And heroin, I think, heroin reminder and a heroin. I mean, that whole case, obviously, that, that was just a, a very, very tragic thing from start to finish, the, the Fred Fleet one. But of course, that, you know, that those notes, they're, they're left, aren't they? Left mm. and family members will have them. And yeah, a very painful reminder of tragedy, I guess. Yeah. Do you remember the last time we were talking? Now we were talking about how history repeats itself. And you definitely, I found that in the book when they did the, the one about the male suicides. And you were talking about that in the book and how it was so bad back then and it just reminded me of the fact that there's something that's never been addressed even to this day male suicides is absolutely horrific yeah, between lockdowns and everything that's happened after that it's it really is a pandemic in, in itself and same with the the one who killed his whole family due to poverty and i just thought it's so you're reading it and it's 
has to do, but at the same time, that's could be to do. Yeah, that's very true, Gemma. Yeah, I, I guess when you, especially when you're thinking about the suicide, the, the cases in the book, and as you say, you quite rightly point out to the the rates that we have now. We, I think is it not? Is it the biggest male killer in this country or something? Up to mm-hmm. like the age of forty or something crazy like that, which is just beyond heartbreaking isn't it um it is and in fairness when i was researching this book i did want to to sort of shine a light on it and is that the right thing Mm, yeah Um, because there's a lot of social issues in the book and that and as you say poverty and you know and all all these things linked together i guess but they they were things that i I did want to be featured i didn't want to sort of shy away from it even though i was at the same time a little bit afraid of how people might respond to it because as i think you mentioned earlier triggering for people of course uh, these things are. I mean, we all know somebody who who've been touched by cancer, you know. But suicide is that way now, isn't it? You know, we, mm. we probably all know somebody, um, whether directly or indirectly, will will probably know somebody who's um, suffered that. And and it's just it's it's an awful thing and something that I think I'm not no authority on this whatsoever. But it doesn't seem to be going that way. You know, it's, it's if it's still the biggest male killer now, it's, it's obviously still something that's very prevalent and we'll need to really try and work towards doing something about but I guess it goes back to that that age-old thing of men and mental health and the lack mm-hmm. of well, partially to do with it why you're just not sort of too willing to, to, to tackle it to talk yeah. about it and it's a very difficult one isn't it it's a very difficult subject and I don't quite know how you help with it other than I, I used to do some work actually well it was voluntary work for the Samaritans um, up here which was always really really interesting in how the, they did the training because he obviously had quite a rigorous training program to go through before you could do it and some of the things you learned were it was very illuminating and, and very difficult obviously at times but what I did sort of really glean from it especially was that it was just a thing for like to talk was the big thing you know uh, yeah, if, yeah. You were, if you've sort of found yourself in, in any kind of dark place to talk was, was the, the key thing but a lot of people haven't got anybody to talk to which to us maybe sounds a bit Surely there's somebody, surely there must be somebody. But for some people, there genuinely isn't. Or even if there is, maybe they just feel like they absolutely can't talk to to people. And I think that's the thing with blokes a lot of the time where they just maybe feel like they're being, I don't know, soft or whatever. Yeah, they're they're, they're feeling that they're not being men enough. And that's why there's a, yeah, the, what's it called? The movement now, especially with the the new podcasts and everything with Man Enough, it's called that. And so kind of bring in the attention to it and say, it's okay to cry. It's okay to talk about your feelings. It doesn't make you any less of a man, you know, so... Mm. It's part of that, but it's slowly going there. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we can, you know, do something with this. And sorry, Jim, I don't know if I've, uh, I've gone the long, long way as I tend to do around your question. <laughs> it justifies the trigger warning in the beginning, so it's fine. Exactly. Because <laughs> last time we said suicide, but I think we didn't mention that many suits, so now we have. So that's um... there was quite a lot in this book, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Suicides and ex- executions was the main yeah. thing. Yeah, there was, and there was. To be honest, I forget what, because uh, this book came out in 2021, 
the research and things were done, particularly around the time of when COVID came in. Mm-hmm. So the book actually had to change. I, th- I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but what I'd had planned for it actually altered quite a bit towards the end because I just I wasn't able to get to archives, couldn't get to libraries. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it was just everything shut down. And another case which I had hoped to feature on the book was Kenneth Williams. I don't you, I guess you probably both carry on. Williams, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was again. It, they don't know if it was the suicide with yeah. him or not. But the think that it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the coroner recorded an open verdict at the time, but it, it seems as though he, uh, certainly if, if you read the last page of his diary, and that's what, what I was hoping to get at in the book, and I'd, I'd been in touch with the archives and everything um, who have Kenneth Williams' diaries and were all set to go with it. But in the end, it just wasn't able to happen, unfortunately, because it closed and uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. couldn't get what we needed from it. But never mind. So yeah, just another sort of reference there on the suicide thing. And he was in another case as well, which were due to be in the book which unfortunately had to um, what to scrap but never mind I was just wondering because there's I mean obviously there must be some people alive who knew him mm. and I think it was still back then was not shameful but it was you wouldn't talk about suicide the way you would talk about it today like if a loved one committed suicide you'd be probably more open to saying it because nobody would judge you having a loved one committing suicide where I think back then it was still a wee bit taboo yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I wonder maybe that's why it was inconclusive. Yeah, yeah, that's true enough. Yeah, I in this case is horribly, wasn't there, where people got. Um where you know, if somebody committed suicide, did they not? It was because it was it was wholly illegal, wasn't it? Um, yeah. In the past, yeah. and of course, it was. You couldn't be buried, and um, yeah. I, I don't know if you can. I don't even know if you can today. To be fair, I don't know if you can be buried in Catholic ground if you commit suicide. So. I think it's, I mean, it has a son, but I don't know if they went that far. I no. don't know if you get buried. Was, as you say, it was certainly, a, it was a big, big stigma around it, wasn't mm-hmm. it? it was a, yeah, it wasn't fit. And uh, the, the family that were left behind, I know they were particularly well looked on upon, which is, yeah, which is really, really sad. Just awful, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, we've moved past that a bit now, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot um, of rules for the Catholics. So they can't be married to the heir to the throne. I think they can now <laughs> if they're of the certain degree down the line. And then if they kill themselves, they can't be buried in the cemetery. There's a lot of rules. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, we, we just go to confession and so we're fine. <laughs> Last page of the diary. That could be your next book. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a whole about Kent Williams or do you mean just no 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 the, um, the last page of the diary as kind of and then you go through all the people who've had diaries and then this is the last page and then they died that's not a bad idea not Leah oh there you go yes I'll scroll that idea down later on <laughs> and I have chapter two for you because if that guy is your chapter one one of the most kind of you know how Philippa Langley had her kind of moment with Richards above you know R at the car park in Leicester I had my own one as well in Kenilworth Castle but this particular one was in London at the exhibition for the Romanov family I think it was Romanovs in Science something like that this one had a diary of Empress Alexandra, and it was opened on the last page that she filled out. What, what did she write? I want to know. We weren't allowed to take photos, but yeah, it was there, right there behind the glass. And, you know, you have those kind of moments, you know, you know what happened to them. This is such a rare piece of, it's not just paper. It's a yeah. paper where she wrote just mere hours, if not less, from the times when they were horribly yeah. butchered. So, yeah, that's your, that's, that's your book too. Thanks, Sally. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, like the, um, it's like Anne Frank as well, isn't it? Mm. 
there that's chapter three for you. That's chapter three. Writing it for you. By the way, how I always think this: how good a writer would she have been if she was? You know, yeah. you've seen that. I mean, her diary is just tremendous. What was she? Twelve, thirteen, or something crazy? Yeah. Some of the language and stuff, and just the the way she's able to ah. Oh. Unbelievable. Yeah, robbed of a true true diamond there, I think. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to lighten the mood and I don't even think we can. This is a problem. <laughs> We've got with these. It's, it's Halloween, it's death. Let's talk about spiders. We need to talk about this case because I just love it. So Helen Blackwood and what's his name? I'm going to get his name. Hans Smith McFarlane. Yeah. I love this case. Now, I live not far from Glasgow. I've never heard of this case in my life. As soon as I read it, I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Why Why is this not? Why does every Scottish person not know this story? It is, I hate <laughs> to say romantic, because they were horrible people. So yeah, they were horrible people. They yeah. were horrible people. I felt so bad for the little boys, but I mean, it was the most epic death ever. Yeah, that was. That was good, wasn't it? I remember finding out about that. Like you said, I was just, sounds awful. I was overjoyed because it was like, it fitted everything perfectly because <laughs> it was a dead interesting case. Mm-hmm. And such a twist at the end when, you know, you're on the gallows about to be hung for murder. And then suddenly you propose to your co-accused <laughs> who says yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, you drop to your death, and that and, and as well, I think if I remember rightly, I think it was a Calcraft execution, and I don't think he did it that well. And I'm pretty sure Helen McFarlane was yeah. not, yeah, not, yeah, I think did somebody, not die well. I think somebody from the crowd eventually jumped on her legs, I think, and which is a quite yeah. an awful thought. But as you say, it's Halloween, so we can talk these things. But yeah, that that was one of my favourite ones as well, actually, Gemma. Yeah, she's our cop sprite. <laughs> 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 yeah, as well. Oh, yes, I forgot about this. I went to um museum, the National Museum in, in Edinburgh, which is a fantastic museum, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the archives. And they've got McFarlane and Blackwood's, um, Helen Blackwood's, um, like their indictment. And they've got all the, yeah, they've got the original documents there, which is just, again, going back to what you're saying before about the items and things that are left behind. Just an unbelievable thing to have and to hold. I remember the archivist brought them out, all these documents, and uh, I just had a hold of them and I was just like, this is just magic. I didn't <laughs> treat them so carefully, don't you? Because they're obviously very old, yeah. fragile. And I was like, just look at these things. Like, these were actually, these were there when all this happened. These things, these are, and it's all there, you know, their execution record and all these things, they've, they've still got them, um, which was part of the reason why I really, really liked doing that. Um, chapter because everything was there the research was all still there and fit very physical and still able to go and mm-hmm. get get your hands on it and and then of course transport it in the book but as you say the story as well is quite incredible and then the two as you say the two little lads the shilling law brothers i think yeah. there, where they they'd actually had to give give the evidence because they'd witnessed the whole thing hiding under a bed i think weren't they or something yeah they had um they paid like a Chilling to sleep under their bed, and you just that's think, right. yeah, oh, that's horrendous. Yeah. yeah, again, just the part of the social. I think yeah. that's runs through the book, doesn't it? The, the social kind of issues, um, again, mm. from like of poverty and mm-hmm. how that would affect your life chances, i.e., you just didn't have any really <laughs> if you were yeah. of a certain class. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites as well. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that one. It really was. It really stuck with me. I just thought it was amazing. How did you come across that story? I think I came across it in a, on a random website, actually. Really? I think it was. I think it was. It's something like, um, I forget exactly what it was, but it was something like, it's not this, but something like Capital 
punishment.org.uk or something. And I remember just going through it this day and I, and I saw this and I delved into that a little bit more. I hope and for I, research, I not just a... A bit of light just reading before going to bed, yeah. That's <laughs> yes, exactly right. So yeah, when I, I found out about where it happened and everything, and I, I dug into it a little bit more and then of course I, I got in touch with the archives up in Edinburgh and, and found that they had loads of information about it. So my first thing was when I found it on this this random website, then I was able to put loads of meat on the bones when I went up to the archives to find out. And that's where I got the most of it from. And then I was able to find out what had actually happened on the gallows because that's all documented as well. And I was like, well, I mean, this just fits perfectly into this book. So yes, if people haven't read that yet, have a look at that chapter. It's quite early on in the book, I think, isn't it? Like third or fourth. Yeah, chapter. I think so, yeah. I don't even know how that's not a movie. That would just be the best movie <laughs> That's what we always say, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we always do. say this. Whatever we talk about, mm -hmm. this should be a Netflix film. This should be a Netflix series. It should be. It should be. Yeah. It should yeah. be. Chapter eight. Be. There we go. Right after Robert oh. Catesby, but oh, before yes. Jack Shuttleworth. There you go. More Catholic oh. stuff. Uh, Robert Catesby is one of my favorites as well, Aretha. I just love how he died. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. He's just so epic, just crawling to his death, grabbing the Virgin Mary. I love it. It's the most Catholic death. I was ever. I was about to say, yeah. It's the most Catholic way to die for the Catholic cause <laughs> and it's just perfect death for him. Yeah. It was perfect death for him. I yeah, think yeah. that of all the cases, actually, that's certainly up there, my favourite ones as well, just because the whole gunpowder plot, and I know it's very cliched or whatever, but I just love everything about that, you know, the history, because it's still there. You know, not We have an episode coming out. We have an episode about that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, that'll be brilliant. Because, yeah, it's just, it's brilliant, isn't it? You know, the history that we've got down yeah. there in London. And, and obviously that, I mean, you know, what they're plotting to do, you know, not just some little thing somewhere they're trying to blow up the House of Parliament, you know, just like the yeah. state. So, yeah, it's just everything about it. It's just quite, quite full of mystique, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, uh, and I think we've all seen so many things about it, haven't we? You know, films and TV programs or whatever. I mean, I watched the one a few years ago, Gunpowder, I think it was called. I had Kit yeah. Harrington. I don't know if you ever watched that one. I get it wrong all the time. I still haven't watched it. I will watch it before we record. It's really, really good. I really he's related it. to him as well. Actually. That's mm -hmm. how it's yeah. easy to remember because he's descended either from him or from one of his siblings or something. That's right, yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten about that, Natalie, but I did read that. Yeah, that's true. His middle name, I think, is actually Catesby. It's like um, Princess Beatrice was in the young Victoria. Yeah. So that's what it kills her. She actually looks like Queen Victoria. And she's the most Victoria out of all of them that are yeah. alive, except for uh, Princess Charlotte is kind of getting there. Yeah. Another one comes to mind is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, because he played Richard III and he's indirectly descended as well. But of is course, he? he played him as a Shakespeare's villain, not an actual Richard III. But he read the the poem at the reinterment in 2015. Oh, wow, you two know your stuff, mind. Brilliant. <laughs> he knows anything Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> and Richard III. <laughs> I was going to say, let's go with the latter. Hundred <laughs> percent <laughs> Richard III. <laughs> yeah, she knows that. And Gemma knows about strip clubs. It's all. And I love strip clubs. <laughs> I would just like to say I did not go in. <laughs> Channing Tatum was in it, maybe, but. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's why you have to come to London, Magic Mike. There you go. I didn't even know that was in London. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Death and strippers. I'm loving this episode. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Love that. Awesome. 
One of my favorite chapters, of course, is on the Queen Jane the first, aka yes. Lady Jane Grey. Very sad segment of English history. Yeah, she was what, what age was she? That was she fifteen or something. Yeah, I think yeah, sort of. Maybe 16. So it's yeah. like 16, 17. Yeah, it was, it was awful, that, wasn't it? It was horrendous. I found that one quite a tough one, actually, to do, just because, and you guys know all about, you know, you guys are brilliant at your history and you know everything about everything. And I think I said in the last one, the last podcast, I'm not a historian. Trying to go back and decipher, like, who's who, and mm. you know what I mean? That's quite a difficult thing to do. Um, it certainly was for me. I found that quite a hard thing to do. And then, of course, actually, the, the, the tragic outcome that happens to such a young girl as well just added to that. I was like, oh, God, this is just horrendous. Just a girl. It didn't really, well, didn't want to be in that position, did she? And then no. just suddenly, that wasn't a, a nice one. Yeah, don't suppose any of them were particularly nice, are they really? No. I mean, her getting executed on its own is really horrific. I can't actually watch, see when um, she dies in like TV programmes or films and stuff, I can't watch it because, and I just think it must have been horrific to watch a girl, she was so stoic and okay, I'm going to die, and then all of a sudden just panicking and not finding the block and oh, just, oh. just, it's just horrendous. Because it's very famous portrait of it isn't there mm-hmm. i was about to say yeah de la roche mm. at the national gallery yeah i saw it earlier mm. this year for the first time it's huge as a tree just it's half massive, a wall isn't it? yeah. yeah it's massive mm-hmm. it's inspired by the drama so between her kind of being yeah this the stoic would be martyr mm. and then yeah. she's just a regular kind of teenager and on the shopping block and can't find it oh i mean it wasn't in the book but there's a she always reminds me a little bit of Catherine Howard, the one of the wives of Henry VIII. Mm. She died pretty young as well. She was executed and she had asked for the block the night before so she could practice. You just think it must have been horrendous. You're saying Jane should have asked for the block to practice as well? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I think some of them probably it's could not, benefit from it. No. I guess. But, it's a very um, macabre idea. Kind of, yeah. What would you like? I'd like eggs benedict and some toast and a block. <laughs> Because yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dying a, tomorrow. Like a really daft thing to say, but I always think in the, the those situations, I'm looking at it now actually on the very front, like somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I always think, how painful do you think it would be, or do you think they would pass out like so quickly that it would just, <laughs> or do you think they would just sort of? Because I don't know how sharp these things would be back then. I don't know if they would try and make it last off they would try I think if you gave I think I read somewhere if you gave the right enough money they would make sure it was quick that's and why if you didn't yeah. they would botch it yeah, and then and then if somebody was like look, Thomas Cromwell I think they tried to botch that on purpose because they don't like him pretty horrific wouldn't it Mary Queen of Scots she they ran after her with the axe because she kept moving and that's horrendous there was also Margaret Salisbury, and I remember if it's her or James, Duke of Monmouth later on, mm-hmm. who also had a botched execution. And one of them, I think it was the Monmouth, they they literally had to use the axe as a kind of a knife to just sever all the remaining tendons or something. But there's actually a funny story with the, with the Salisbury one. Back when I was still doing ghost walks, it was something like just before New Year's. So it was very cold, it's very dark, so sort of like... 9 p.m. outside of the tower and I'm talking I'm giving the talk about the, all the executions that happened there and how, how horrible they were so kind of very fitting this so very sort of Halloweeny and I'm, I'm saying how 
it took something like 13 blows to cut off her head and everything. And she was a very old woman. Before that, she was running away from the executioner. He was just running with an axe and trying to hit her and all that. And this is the moment where I regret my life choices because um, where the moat used to be of the tower, so they put the ice skating rinks in there sometimes. And when you have an ice rink, it plays a certain jaunty music. So with a very happy jukeboxy feel about it, I had to finish my story about a very, very gruesome execution of a something like 70, 80 year old woman getting chopped to death with a, not a very sharp axe. Whoa. So it's an axe factor again. Yeah. <laughs> the axe factor. <laughs> Yeah, you've got some wonderful stuff. I'd love to go on one of your ghost walks, Natalie. I know you don't do them now, do you? But I need to write one. I was going to write one this year, but it's now a bit too late. If you're done, you'll definitely figure something out. So Great stuff. Yeah, brilliant. So tell us about something that didn't make the book then. That didn't? Mm-hmm. People that are alive. As <laughs> <laughs> everyone who's still alive. To be honest, they wouldn't. I don't think. Well, you, you, apart from Kenneth Williams, they, they wouldn't know the others probably, Jim, because they, as you know, like a lot of them uh, that I try to do in the book are, are cases where people are oh, they're just random people. If you like, say random, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's it's not necessarily famous, well known people. So he would have been the the one that you would probably know of. But there was other ones which I'd I'd had sort of lined up. I don't know, maybe one day I might be able to get back to them, possibly in some guys, I don't know. But it was basically ones where I was able to get, A, get enough research material, you know, there was enough to, to go at, and B, that it was something that I would hope would be interesting for people. So like we said mm-hmm. before, the, the wedding on the scaffold twist at the end, well, not a nice twist, but you know what I mean? It's a little yeah. bit different, isn't it? And that's what I tried to have for all of them. So you, there's ones in there, obviously, like that. There's a few that are a bit more well-known, like so Lady Jane Grey. Then you've got a guy in a workhouse who just drops down dead in his final words. And and then there's, there's all sorts like that. Condemned men, isn't there? There's deathbed confessions, obviously the suicides. The one that always springs to mind, which for me, which I really quite liked, was the old dear uh, Priscilla Guppy. I think it's towards the end of the book where she's like an 80-odd-year-old woman. And on her deathbed, she confesses to a murder that she'd committed like 40 years previously or something crazy. So I had another one which was a bit similar to that, uh, Gemma, which I, I, I did want to get in there. But I um, I had the outline of it, but the research material that I had was was locked away. It was down in uh, an archive and I wasn't able to get to it. And I, mm. I needed the book, you know, I had deadlines and still to sort of meet. So, yeah, it, the book went without some of the cases which I really wanted to put in there. That was a case. It was because that's what I kind of, sorry, to be this probably sounds really boring, but at the outset, I kind of, almost like bracketed different kinds that I wanted. So I wanted X number of deathbed confessions, X number of suicides, X number of, I don't know. A checklist, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what I probably, when I look back at the book now, it probably, for me personally, nobody reading it would realise, but me personally, I wanted more deathbed confessions in it. And certainly there's a couple which I did plan to have in there, Gemma, which sadly uh, sort of fell by the wayside. Um, still a couple in there, I think, or certainly one anyway, maybe two, I can't remember. But yeah, I think Kenneth Williams, as I say, would be the only one that you'd, the only person that you would kind of mm. know of. Uh, the others were, again, ones which you like I think Joe I don't really like the, the kind yeah. of yeah the sort of random ones and I like those as well because he just know nothing about them he just mm-hmm. literally going in with a blank page and you're like blimey look at this and then you just find out more and more about them or hopefully anyway I like the the ones that don't happen in London so that's yeah. actually part of the summary but that's why I like your book so much because you 
don't just focus on things that happen in London. Because last time we said that you write about the, the working man, et cetera, et cetera, not just yeah. about the mm-hmm. kings, queens and the nobility. But I like the fact that it's all kind of geographically spread out. Of course, Sunderland is your favorite. We have a lot of cases in Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also Victorian <laughs> Scotland. And then there's Georgian Scotland. I like everything to do with Scotland. But it's just it's it's not just South England based. No, no, I, and I, yeah, I, I didn't want it to be like that. that, Natalie. No, we've uh, we've got to speak up for the Northerners, haven't we, Gemma? We've got to yes. make sure there's some of us guys <laughs> in there. So, yeah, I, I, that was a very purposeful thing because when I initially went to Penn and saw the publishers with specific ideas, my first thing was like a, um, a thing which was just going to be involved with Northeast only. See, obviously, that's where I'm from. So, but they said, no, no, let's try and broaden it so it's the whole country, so it's UK wide. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because you're probably limiting yourself if you if you just stick to a yeah. uh, a particular region. So like your interest might not be quite as great. So that's what we did. Yeah, that, that was a very deliberate thing in both books, really. I wanted there to be cases, uh, uh, you know, in all the regions of England, if possible, as many as possible. And certainly, you know, in Scotland, Ireland as well, where possible. Mm. Um, but I think as we alluded to last time, struggle to get much in Wales. <laughs> I, started, I was trying to think there because I was thinking you, you didn't the last time. Did you get... Any famous last words? Was there any? There's any. I don't, there. I don't think there is it. You need to make it up to the Welsh in the next book. You need yeah, to. Going to have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Welsh deaths, they do die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, this is true, Rally. But yes, I have left them up, but again, not purposefully, but um, struggling to get anything. Get them. <laughs> it's not on purpose. Okay, good. No, definitely not, no. When you were talking about the deathbed confessions, and I just remembered Gemma and I were talking earlier today about George V and his death and how he was, as the meme phrased it, quietly euthanized. Do you remember that one? Yeah. If you made another book about the last words or yeah. the the diary, and if, if that had been the case, it would be very interesting because his death was, well, it's kind of regicide, but planned and approved with everyone. So the hence the quietly euthanized, which I think is a brilliant way to Label it, sort of. (laughs) Also, because he was uh, in the in the photo, he was next to his first cousin Nicholas II of Russia and everything. And we were talking about how similar they all look and everything. And Mm -hmm. you think, well, one of them wasn't quietly euthanized. It's one of the most famous murders of all time. And no assassination is not the 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 game here. It's murder. But the other one. Funny that, yeah, you don't think about it, but it's also kind of murder. He he was dying and in order to, for the death and the news about the death to make the good newspapers, if you yeah, like. The, yeah, they, they wanted to make the, the certain newspaper that came out for the classier people. Not the yes. newspaper that came out for everybody, but the classy newspaper. So they the thought- Times, not the Evening Standard, if you will. So they sped up his death by giving him... I think it was opium. I think think they had a heavy dose of opium, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was something uh, sort of like a drug that you that you get when you are on deathbed, but his death was sped up on purpose. This kind of regicide that is approved by everyone, probably including him. So if he had any last pages in the diary, then that could make an interesting entry for the the last page diary book. <laughs> yeah, diary, yeah. Natalie, we're going to have to get on with this, I think. King George's diary. <laughs> yeah, this is quite a fascinating idea, that, not it? I meant to ask you the last thing. What is it you 
you read if you're going to read a book what would you read right now I'm actually reading the ABC murders Agatha Christie yeah I'm, I'm reading that I'm reading that and I'm also reading um, a book called Fall and Rise which is a 9-11 thing so yeah again usually sort of gruesome type things any comedies <laughs> <laughs> very, very rarely, Natalie, and not too often. I mean, usually the reading is to do with research, really. I don't actually sort of have, well, I don't find that much time to read for leisure, if you like. That's why I usually tell people about fiction. If they ask me, do I read fiction? I say, I would love to. Yeah. But even for historical fiction, I just have no time. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You can't you can't do everything. And um, I do tend to read stuff to do with research and books and things, which I might be writing about. And if I am going to do a little bit of sort of leisure time reading, then it, it will be something like Agatha Christie, I guess. There's some books that I really love. Have you read Brighton Rock? Mm, I know of it. So I love that. And there's certain books which I'll go back to. Like every Christmas, I'll always try and read Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least start it and get so far on. But, you know, again, time time goes away with you and you, I don't always finish it. I have but... the same with Bridget Jones's diary, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> every other year. <laughs> yeah. Try to see yeah. as far I can go. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I know some people who read like, oh, I don't know, 50, 100 100 plus books in a year and it's like wow how on earth do you have that much time to do that I've always got a book in my hand wow. I have books in my car I, I now have books in my car for my granddaughter because she's a massive reader already at one that's all she does she just wants to sit and read with me and I love it her mother wow. hates it my daughter thinks I've warped her mind and she's going to be weird all her life but it's a good thing I think it's a good thing it's a fantastic it's thing yeah books it's uh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's very important, isn't it? And that's I, I didn't really think about that. But when you ask that question, what else do I read? With I read with my five year old an awful lot. So whatever she's reading is. Mm-hmm. So you can put thing. that on your Goodreads as well, Peppa yeah. Pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technically, you've read it, so yeah. it's 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 not like you didn't. You you have read it. It's just it you didn't choose it. That's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, never choose another year. Actually, when I went to um down to Birmingham there on uh, last weekend, one of the well, two of the absolute highlights of the day was two separate actually twelve year old girls came and uh, they were with their mom and um they both. It was weird because within half an hour of each other, but they both wanted to be writers. And it was lovely. I know it's a little bit different to reading, but it was just lovely to see that the fact that they loved books so much because they were talking about reading and how much they liked it. But they wanted, because they'd loved reading so much, they wanted to write as well mm-hmm. themselves. And um, we talked about it for a little while, well, quite a while actually with them. It was great. They were telling us about what they liked writing, you know, what they found difficult, what they really enjoyed doing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and what they liked reading and things. And it was brilliant. I think I was just thinking, ah, I hope that more, you know, I hope my daughter does that for one thing. Mm-hmm. At the minute, she loves it, but she's five. She loves writing yeah. and doing stories and things. And uh, it's just a lovely thing that you know kids kids will want to do. And my, my youngest son, he wants that's what he wants to be. He wants to be a writer. I really don't want to read any of his books, though. If he does become a writer. Because, <laughs> because he's into horror and like, right. Japanese manga and stuff. I mean, he's six, nearly 16 and that's that's his thing. I mean, he loves books, but it's brilliant. I get to go. He's the only one out of my four who likes reading, which is horrific for me. Yeah, but how can you have four kids and have time to read all the time? Oh, I ask for that every day. <laughs> he also has two fur babies. 
Which are the most important ones? They are the most important yeah. children. My, my children all argue over who's my favourite, and I'm like the cats, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you had cats. It's ridiculous. Obviously. Yeah, yeah but that, that's what he's on now. He's the only one that's getting my books because he's the only one interested. So he wants to be the next Stephen King. So for next Halloween, we can ask him. We can ask him. I don't like Stephen King. I don't like him. He's too scared. No. I do always think these people, they must be so, so clever to write that many books and to have that much in your head and that much in your imagination. Because it, my stuff's just, I've researched it, so I've found something out and then I've written about it or whatever. So in, in some senses, it's it's already there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. These people write stuff from here. Like, you know what I mean? They have to use their imagination and they've got to make it different. All of his books have got to be different, haven't they? They're not going to be mm. the same thing all the time. And, you know, these guys like him and like Terry Pratchett and people like that, even if you don't like the subject. I, I do like Terry Pratchett. I have a big like Terry Pratchett, yeah. his books. World <laughs> and all that, yeah. And I think they must have so, they must be so clever to, mm. to be able to, to just keep, I don't know, reinventing themselves, I guess, each each time they're writing something. Incredible thing, really. That's why I think it's quite funny because um, I, I love, not death, but I like graveyards and I like, yeah, yeah, I like true crime and stuff like that. When it comes to horror movies, I cannot watch them. Mm. Cannot. I like the, you know, the 90s slashers, like Halloween, Scream. Scream and that, yeah. Al- that. Alfred Hitchcock, all amazing. But yeah. see, see the new ones, like Saw and Hostel. And... <laughs> no, yeah, I'm with you there, actually. It got to a point, I think, where people just tried to outdo each other by, like... Too how... gruesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How stupid and gruesome could we be yeah. without yeah. there being much else to them, really. I'm pleased you mentioned Halloween, obviously on the Halloween show, but isn't that just a classic? Though. Oh, I love yeah. Halloween. That is my favourite horror movie. If yeah, I have to watch a horror movie, I want to watch one of them. 100%. I'll be the same with that. I love the music. I love Hitchcock because I had to study him a lot in uni for my film course. So I had all the boxes to have them somewhere. But my favorite two Hitchcock films are the ones that weren't even made by Hitchcock. Uh, one of them is Gaslight, from where gaslighting, the, mm-hmm. the term originates, the film with Ingrid Bergman. Fantastic, absolutely beautiful. And the second one is probably Kenneth Branagh's least famous film, but that's the one that means the most to me. It's the 1991, so I'm still feeling the decade. It's called Dead Again. Right. And it's a kind of psychological thriller, slightly with the sort of motifs of horror, music by Patrick Doyle, Scotsman, by the way, literally as if it was taken from a Hitchcock film. It was his second directorial film, the second film he made right after... uh, Henry V. It's it's a slightly detective story, a whodunit. Two love stories are sort of in parallel with the bit of time travel of the souls and all that. If you come across it, please watch it. Yeah, I will, yeah. yeah, I haven't come across that. And it's yeah. called Dead Again, so it fits the themes of all of your books. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> really <laughs> perfect. Beautiful. And when I met Kenneth Branagh, this is the first thing I told him. And then he He's... looked up from his phone and asked me my name. So that was one of the best days of my life. Really? That's amazing. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, where was that? That was in the offices of a company I was working for early December 2012. That's mm-hmm. amazing, yeah. And I shook his hand and I haven't washed his hand since. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so, Natalie. Yeah, that's excellent, yeah. Last question I have for you is, what would you like to be in your in your last words? How would you like to be remembered? That's jinxing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, touch me, touch all the words. <laughs> what would I like my final words to be? Mm-hmm. Just think them, don't write them down, don't so say I just, I just think yeah. them. Don't write them. No, like, okay, just um, 
would you like them to be about family? Would you like them to oh, be like an epic catchphrase? Yeah, I see what you mean. What it's funny like? because somebody asked us, um, I did a radio interview a while ago about the book, the host presenter asked us that at the end. God, and I said something silly like, uh, what was it? Please buy my book. <laughs> a stupid thing to say, but it was, I thought, well, uh, she loved it. She thought it was funny. But on a serious sort of, I guess, yeah, it's got to be like a family oriented thing, I suppose, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than a plea to buy, buy my book. Um, so, yeah, I would think something kind of nice and nice and deep. But then again, would that be me? I don't know. Oh, I think about that, Jimmy. Yeah, my famous words. I mean, it wouldn't be a, a wedding proposal, certainly. I don't suppose it would. already, man. Because you've already done that, yeah. Yes, I've <laughs> and done you're still that, alive. Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, we're both still here, so that's great. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine though, if you did, if you had something like that old woman did, you know, some sort of deathbed confession to something yeah. horrendous? Is I that a hint? <laughs> Is that a hint? You'll have to do some digging on me, Natalie. But yeah. no. <laughs> no but um, would you would you to do that? Would you like confess on your deathbed, or would you just take it to your graves? Um, well, I haven't I haven't killed anybody, so. <laughs> Got nothing <laughs> yes. I've certainly got nothing exciting anyway. No, I think it would be something. Natalie, so. you're going to take it to your grave, aren't you? No, no, I'm going to confess everything, but you have to wait for that. Yeah. yeah what would you two do? What would yours be? Uh, I'd probably say goodbye to my cats. <laughs> Remember and feed the cats. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> let not p- poor Nelly starve. Yes. I, I, I want to go like Charles II. Yeah. yeah. Something or, um, like that. Who, who was was it Oscar? Was that Oscar Wilde that said something like "I hate that wallpaper" or something? I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. that would yeah. be me. I'd say something horrible. It was <laughs> say something horrible. Yeah, it's I really it. didn't like your haircut, by the way. Well, I'm looking particularly unkempt tonight. Well, I thought it was a Halloween show, so I probably exactly got yeah. something ghastly on on camera, isn't it? Really, yeah. A couple of kissing rabbits in the background as well, yeah. So, and that fits yeah. with the theme of strip clubs. So, we've literally had everything tonight, haven't we? <laughs> wow, your listeners have been spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> we like to treat them so <laughs> hell yeah they've done that <laughs> oh, thank you so much for your time uh, we really appreciate it no, uh, not at all we no love talking all. to you we cannot wait to go on this tour at one point so definitely let us know when you're in London or up here because I will definitely come down to London and Natalie does not need an excuse to come back to Scotland don't you know no <laughs> Oh, I'm going to oh, train so tomorrow it's, uh, it's absolutely <laughs> lovely to, to be on with you both yeah, You're excellent at what you do And um, yeah, it's, it's always a pleasure So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do it all again Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of If It Ain't Baroque podcast. Please like, subscribe and share with your friends. For today's episode, our guest was Chris Wood. Please find his books, Final Last Words and Death in the Theatre on Pen and Sword website. The link is in the description of this episode. You can find Chris on Instagram. His handle is at he writes at night. Gemma and myself, you can find us on social media. The handle is at if it ain't baroque podcast on instagram and we have an account on the x of the twitter where we are at baroque podcast and if you'd like to read our blog and find out more please visit the website if it ain't baroque.art if you'd like to join me on one of my walking tours and i have three at the moment one about the medieval and tudor monarchs one about the georgian and windsor monarchs and one about naughty london in southwark please join me the website is reignoflondon.com and there will be links in the description of this episode thank you so much and see you next time